0: Father, as we have been enjoying your presence today, as we have worshiped with uh, music and with song, we just want to continue to worship you, Lord, now in prayer, and also continue to worship you with your word today. But we know that your word says that you will rescue those who love you, you will protect those who trust in your name, and when they call upon you, you will answer. And you will be with them in all trouble. And you'll rescue and honor them. Lord, Lord David said that uh, that when he was young, that he remembers when he was young and now when he was old, he could say that he had never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging for bread. So we want to thank you today for your faithful goodness and your faithful kindness to us. We thank you, Lord, for helping us through the hardest of times and through the uncertainty of days, Lord, in all of our lives. And, and Lord, not just us here at Mount Hope, but also, Lord, throughout our, our, our community as well as, Lord, even throughout our, our state and even our nation today. Father, we, we pray for our nation as we as we see things happening around us that are just uh, sometimes mind-boggling for us, Father, we think, how in the world did we ever get to this place? How did our country ever get to this place? And we know it's only by your mercy that we are actually still surviving. And it's only by your mercy that we're going to be able to see, uh, Lord, uh, um, protection and we're going to be able to see change and we're going to be able to see, Lord, righteousness uh, um, combating, Lord, the things that are evil and wrong in our country. So, Lord, we, we, we pray for our country and ask you that you will, uh, Lord, help us to trust you but, and that we will be the kind of people you need us to be. And we pray that you will hold back the things that are so terribly wicked and wrong and that we would see the right done. We will see the good and the good things accomplished, Lord, we pray. Father, we um, we are so encouraged uh, Lord because we know that you are the one in control and uh, we pray your Lord for those many who are grieving today who are that the, the issue of death has settled in, the, the loss of a loved one has settled in upon them and uh, Lord as days have passed we're thinking of Lord the, the Fosnall family, Lord we think of the Tumbleson family Lord we, we think of them and, and um, Uh, Father, we pray that that your grace would be really real, that in in the difficulty of adjustment and in the sadness, maybe even the discouragement and depression, that you, Lord, will meet. Uh, Lord, each individual with uh, with um, something, Lord, real in their life that that gives them uh, faith or gives them the, the ability to look up and to hold on to in you we pray that you will make yourself real lord to these families lord we thank you for phyllis and linford thank you that they're mending at home lord is and uh, we we praise your name that that they're doing better we, lord, we thank you that that Lowell's here today and julie we thank you father that, that they're they uh mending too we we praise your name and also stan we thank you that he's here and we pray for merlin today who is who is home and and ill we, we pray for him um Lord, we, we, uh, we pray that uh, those who are traveling today, that you'll give them safety in all this fog that uh, is going to be lifting, I'm sure. But pray that you will give, keep your hand upon them. Lord, what we want in our lives, uh, Lord, in these days as we, as, uh, as we try to just live our life for you, we want to uh, ask you that you will enlighten us. That your word will enlighten us, that it will continue, Lord, to strengthen us, that it will continue to guide us, it will continue to wash us, and Lord, that it will enable us to build our lives ever, ever the more um, uh, more, more firm, I should say, Father, upon upon Jesus as our foundation. We pray, Lord, that these will be days when uh, the government so far is leaving us alone, that we will uh, strengthen ourselves in your word. We pray that you will just take over uh, more fully our, our hearts and our minds and our lives and that when your word reveals something in us that, that needs to change or maybe something in our lifestyle that needs to change, Lord, we pray that we will, um, in loving obedience, just find ourselves running to you and wanting to be uh, you, wanting you to be our all in all. So, Father, we pray today that your word will help us. We pray that you will help us Lord, here at Mount Hope. We are praying, Lord, just to let you do what you want to do. We pray that you will guide each one of us here as we think about, Lord, our ministry here at Mount Hope, that you will guide us in in whatever way you want us to pray. Maybe you'll bring people to our minds at night. Maybe even as we wake up in the middle of the night, you'll bring people to our minds. But whatever you want to do, Lord, however you want to lead us, we pray that you will do what you want to do among us and inspire us, we pray, and encourage us that uh, we may um, fulfill your purpose for our lives and your will for Mount Hope. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's just keep praying and keep uh, trying to encourage one another and let's just see what God's going to do. That's how I'm praying these days. Hope you are too. Just, Lord, what are you going to do? What are you going to do through our lives here? Is everybody doing okay today? You know, is this, uh, everybody's okay? Okay. How many's having lunch today? How many's having some lunch today? Okay, good. All right. We're all on the same page, then. Good. All right. Okay. Well, I'm. Uh, I want to share with you today um, uh, that um, we're going to be transitioning. I'm starting to transition out of this series on the re- resurrection, and I'm just hoping with all my heart. I mean, there's. I could. We could go on another probably six. Well, probably another two months talking about the resurrection and the benefits from it. But I know that, you know, you sometimes you just get so you get information overload. But I hope that this series on the resurrection, I hope it has impacted you the way it has impacted me. It has just changed really for a guy who's walked with the Lord uh, this many years, I have uh, I'm so excited to learn something new that, that came to my attention about how important the resurrection is in the New Testament, as well as is to our faith, how vitally important it is. And that it's not that the cross is not important. Of course, there it's, it's, a, it's a two-sided coin, so to speak. But sometimes it's, uh, when I was growing, growing up, the cross was, was emphasized always. That was, you know, the whole point of Calvary and Jesus dying as our, as our sacrifice for sin and our Savior. But very little attention was ever given to the res- resurrection except on Easter, you know, it was always, I mean, we talked about it once a year, basically. But I hope you've seen through this series that actually it's so vital that that is the gospel. We have to have the, the, the empty tomb has to that completes the gospel. You know, that, well, it's not quite complete yet because Jesus is going to come back again. But, but um, that, that without the tomb, the, the cross loses, yeah, yeah, yeah. loses its significance. It really does. The cross guarantees our forgiveness of sins, our reconciliation with God, and the empty tomb guarantees our eternal life. Yeah. And it guarantees that that it causes the power of God to to take place in our life. So in the New Testament, uh, as you're reading through the New Testament, um, may the Lord help you to see all the times the apostles Talk about the significance of Jesus rising from the dead. That it's because he rose from the dead that this and this happens for you. It's because he rose from the dead. The, the same power that God used to raise Jesus from the dead is the same power that is in you now transforming your life. I mean, you just, you just see these themes uh, going um, that are repeating themselves over and over again. It's really amazing. And that, um, that the resurrection was oftentimes the reason why people rejected Christ. When they preached the resurrection, that was the point of like, oh, that's foolishness. That's, that's, that's stupidity. You know? It was the resurrection that caused the, the real rub in, in the message of the gospel with people, particularly the Greeks, particularly, particularly you know, the, you know, the Romans. They, they thought that was just foolishness. So my, I hope that as we, you know, that as we spent time on that, that, that uh, you'll just see the, the, the significance of how important the resurrection is. And not only that, but how there's such a foundation of evidence that Jesus rose from the dead. And uh, I mean, you know, um, just, um, this is just a side note. You probably have heard of the Apocrypha before, you know, the Apocrypha or the, there's, of course, we got the books, the Bible, that the Church Fathers uh, uh, ordained or decided that they were the authentic books. You know, you got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You got all the books of the, of the New, New Testament that the Church Fathers said, okay, we know this book is really written by John or this one's really written by Luke or this one's really written by Mark. We know these are the genuine, you know, the real articles. These are the, these are the books that, were, that are authentic. But there was a lot of other books that weren't authentic, that went by like the gospel of Peter, the book of Enoch. You know, there's these, these spiritual books that, that the fathers looked at and said, well, those are not authentic books. Although that looks like somebody uh, put Peter's name on it, it really wasn't written by, by Peter. Those books are called the Apocrypha books, and they're not in our Bible. They're in the Catholic Bible, but they're not in our Bible because the Apocrypha books, they have errors in them, they have problems in them. They're not, they're not, they're not written, um, you know, with uh, accurate inf- information. For instance, I'll tell you, like for instance, uh, in the second century, there was such criticism by secular writers about the resurrection of Jesus. And they were, they was, they were so critical of it. Uh, you know, philosophers, Roman philosophers, Greek people, they were so critical of the gospel and particularly the resurrection of Jesus not so much the, the death of Jesus, but his, re- his resurrection, that the Christians of that day felt like they, sh- they needed to write a book in the name of the apostles that would help defend the gospel. And sometimes they, they, well they, they didn't write accurate things. You know, if if, they, uh, if, they're right, if these critics were criticizing uh, the various accounts of, like, for instance, you know, the, the gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they each have a different perspective on the resurrection, on, on how it occurred. You know, they, they write from a different perspective, just like a person who sees a, an accident from different angles. They might tell the story a little bit differently than, you know, from, you know, from one another, but it's all true. It's just told from different perspectives, and um, the critics of the of the resurrection they would say, "See all these contradictions amongst these you know these writers." So that's why the resurrection isn't true. You can't you can't believe it. So second century Christians they would say, "You know we need to clear up these things," and they would try to rewrite what they're written what in in a way that would answer the questions of these critics. But it wasn't true. It wasn't right. Wasn't accurate. Anyway, what's amazing is that the way the gospel writers wrote, how they recorded the resurrection, proves, just by this, the this system, the, the way of writing it, uh, proves that it was authentic. And uh, there's all kinds of things we could look into just to show you that, uh, you know, that, um, that proves that the re- resurrection really did happen, really did occur. Amazing. God made sure. Well, you know, like, you know, for instance, one of them, one one of the criticisms was, why didn't Jesus show himself to his enemies? You know, why didn't he, why didn't he appear to Pilate? Why didn't he appear to Herod? You know, these are the guys that needed to hear, they needed to see, you know, the the resurrected Jesus. He only appeared to women. (laughs) Really, that was the criticism. He only appeared to women and to peasants and to his disciples. And how can you believe them? You know, yeah. So those uh, those kind of criticisms against the gospel, but as you examine it and see that actually the way Jesus, way, the way God the Father, in uh, or, ordained Jesus' re- resurrection to take place uh, authenticates it authenticates it, in. and and uh, like Paul said, it was uh, it's been proven by by witnesses. The Apostle Paul tells us over 500 witnesses at one time even. So. We're going to transition from that. I mean, I know you can get overburdened with, uh, you know, with learning too much. I mean, trying to, information overload. But uh, I thought it'd be good for us to transition. Maybe we'll come back to that again, you know, uh, the, uh, some of the re- issues of the re- resurrection. But I think uh, we're going to transition to something else. And um, today, I, I, not, not today, we're going to begin talking about, we're going to begin talking, looking at the peace of God, the peace of God. Um, why is it more Christians don't have peace? Why is it that we struggle with, with anxiety and we, we struggle with worry? Why is it that we don't have peace? So we're going to get into that. But today I want to talk to you about this here. And it has to do with the promise that God helps you build into your life. God makes a promise to us, particularly, uh, there's many places in the scriptures, of course, but in uh, Isaiah 55, there's a a, a principle there that uh, talks about how God wants to build in our lives. He wants to build something in our lives. No, no matter where you are at in life, no matter where you're at, no matter if you've Lived a life where you 've made decisions that didn't always weren't always fruitful and wasn't always wise, and, and consequently right now there's consequences that may not be always wonderful and you're still dealing with them and I remember talking to my sister one time about that, my older sister, who talked about how that she'd made some decisions when she was younger that that she was still having to endure the problems of those decisions you know and although God had forgiven her, she was still dealing with those problems, just because you know, sometimes that's the way life is. They they follow the problems follow you. I mean, there came a day finally when that problem was solved. But for about eighteen years, she said, you know, it uh, had to do with her children. But eighteen years she had to deal with the consequences of making a wrong choice back uh, many years earlier. And but but the point is, is that no matter where you are at in life, God promises that he has good days ahead for his children. No matter where you're at, no matter. As long as your heart is humble and you're submissive to God and you're willing to, to bow before him and say, Lord, I know, uh, for, I know, forgive me. Uh, Lord, um, uh, I want to follow you. God has good days ahead for you. He does. Um, in the Old Testament, they said it like this, that God's able to replace the years that the locusts have what? Eaten yeah the locusts locust would destroy the crops and God would promise the nation you know I'm going to bless you you're going to have more crops things are going to be better so i think that is so so wonderful that uh you know it's hard to imagine at times i i i know but god's word and his promises they never, they really, they never fail. Isaiah 55 is uh, it's just going to be a springboard I want to use just to try to encourage you this morning with this. Isaiah 55 says, and this is the New Living Translation, I think says it so beautifully. It says that the rain and the snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. It says they cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. It is the same with my word, Lord says. I send it out and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to, and it will prosper everywhere I send it. You will live in joy and peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song, and the trees of the field will clap their hands. Where once there were thorns, cypress trees will grow. Where nettles grew, myrtles that is myrtle trees will sprout up. These events will bring great honor to the Lord's name. they will be an everlasting sign of His power and love. Now that's a principle about God's Word, that God God says, you know, I am able to replace, you know, the thorns and thistles with, with, with beauty, with things of beauty. And it's a principle of God's Word to our life, that the promise is that God wants to help us to build our life. Amen. Lord, we pray today that as we look at some things of Your Word, that you will help us to see plainly. Pray you help us to listen today, Lord. That there won't be too many distractions for us, but that we'll be able to, to capture something today that will encourage us with the reality of your promise to build in our lives, even when things maybe look pretty desperate or kind of discouraging now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. When Becky and I became new parents back in 1984, it's hard to believe sometimes that our son's getting ready to turn 40 years of age next month. March, March, excuse me. Um, I tell you, we were so happy. I still remember the day we brought him home. And uh, I remember the, the church down there, they had put this big sign on a garage door, you know, about uh, welcoming us home and c- celebrating the birth of our son, Israel. But um, we were so grateful. And of course, like all new adventures you're not aware of how ignorant you are about how to do this. You know, you're all happy about, you know, you're happy about having a child. And, uh, or any, even if you adopt a child, you know, you don't know what you're doing. You know, but I, I remember it was, it was, it uh, <laughs> I didn't know very much at all and Becky knew a lot more than I do and did and she helped me a lot of course to learn but there's there's so much to learn from how to care for that child, how to diagnose problems, how to then how to train the child not only do you take care of the little messes and, and take care of when he's sick, but now comes this thing about what do you do when he says no all the time and he's rebelling and he's you know and he's you know a, a, a being, being naughty you know this thing about training him too, and I, you know, we, <laughs> I, I, we've apologized to our son Israel a few times. Like, sorry, we practiced on you. You know, we, you know, we did. We we're just practicing. We didn't always know what we were doing. And I got to tell you this: something that God does, though, and it, not just with children, but with anything in your life that is new and you don't know what you're doing, God will use that thing to not only in where you have to grow in the knowledge of, of, of how to handle the situation. But it changes, he, he's dealing with your character as well, your heart character as well. He really does. Um, I tell you, there's, I can think of at least two times where I had to apologize to my children. I was wrong. <laughs> yeah, I'm the adult. Yes, I'm supposed to know what I'm doing. Yes, but my attitude was wrong. And I would like you to forgive me because dad, or daddy was, was wrong there because God trains us in our character. I mean, I remember one time mentioning that principle, I mean, that's many, many years ago when the kids were still young. And I uh, had a man in the church, he came up to me after the service and he said, Pastor, I'll never apologize to my kids. And I can tell you that's why you have the relationship you do with him, my, my friend, and it's still true today with that particular man. But um, because God uses things like that in our life to not only bless us with the joy of having something or be participating in something, but also the joy of being transformed Because of those circumstances, as you surrender to God and trust Him and believe His Word, and His Word tells, you know, His Word told me that I was wrong for how I acted, and I needed to ask their forgiveness. And of course, I've had to do that with Becky too, you know, as as the Lord has humbled me. Um, God uses the knocks of life to educate us and to humble us and to sanctify us. And then, And then, what we do, you know what we do then, we take out the trowel, we take out the trowel of obedience and faith and discipleship and mortar, and you know c- cement our newfound grace into the practice of our thinking. That's what this is. It's that, you know, okay, I did wrong. Now, what did I do? How do I change this? First, I the first thing I do is I get out the trial of obedience. So the first thing I need to do is, God ask your forgiveness, but also then ask the forgiveness of my children or whatever sister and you know, whatever amends I need to make, whatever you know, what whatever I need need to do. And what I'm doing then, I'm adding then, saying, Lord, your word is transforming me that I'm not I'm, i I'm not being proud. And walking my own way, but rather by humility, you're showing me how to be righteous, how to be godly, how to be in touch with you, how to glorify you with my life. So you're building your life. His word is building in you, you see. Um, we practice obedience until it becomes a habit. Really? Some, sometimes, you know, you've you formed such a bad habit of the way you're acting that you may ask God's forgiveness and he forgives you and and you just 2 days later you do the same thing again you know oh, man you know because you have to practice obedience before it becomes a habit and it does become a habit where you're determined I tell you that's one thing my father taught me. He said, David, you're gonna find out that about in, in his estimation, that ninety nine percent of being a Christian is determination. <laughs> For him it was, that you're going to obey the Lord no matter what. No matter how many times you fail, no matter how many times you gotta apologize, no matter how many times you've got to humble yourself, you are going to follow the Lord. You're going to obey him. You're going to do what's right. No matter if you make a zillion mistakes, you're going to you're going to keep trying. And before long, you'll stop making that mistake. you'll stop making that you'll stop committing that sin, and you'll have a habit of what the Bible would imply is righteousness, a habit of righteousness. You know, we're familiar with Jesus' teaching about about the wise and foolish men. You know, uh, uh, remember that, the wise men build his house on the rock, foolish men on the sand. There in, in Matthew, you know, that anyone who listens, Jesus said, anyone who listens to, to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on the solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and, and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against the house, it won't collapse because it's built on the bedrock. Matthew wrote in such a way here, this is really interesting, he wrote in such a fashion that the Greek tense of this particular scripture indicates that everybody is in the process of building a house. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if uh, you know who you are, that every human being is in the process of building their life, building their life on something. You know, uh, you're, you're, you say, I'm not going to build my life on Christ. Well, you're building it on something. You may not be on him. But it's on some other foolish thought or some other uh, uh, foolish, uh, you know, philosophy or something. But... um you know, you're going to build your life on something. You're going to use some type of materials. Now, again, the Greek structure of this thing is this way. It indicates that the ongoing decision of the disciple is to keep learning. Listen to this. This is so fantastic. The Greek, it's a, an aorist passive tense, which I know that doesn't matter to us so much. We don't care about that. But this, this is what it indicates is that it means that the disciple who is, is, um, is learning, he's, he's learning not learned. He didn't just learn once. He's in the process of learning. He's in the process of adopting the teachings of Jesus to his life, into his life. And he learns that that will provide the ongoing strength and stability of God's kingdom in his life. That as he keeps learning, God's word then is active in him. As he keeps obeying, then that is the guarantee that God is still helping you, that God's word is building in you. If you decide to rebel and disobey, then the power of God stops in your life. But as long as you continue the process of, of, of building, continue that process of, of uh, you know, obedience and surrender. Um, Following Jesus is a choice after choice after choice. It's not a once done and done. It's not once done and over. No, following Jesus is choice after choice to submit and deepen oneself to the Lord. And really this is the only meaningful type of of understanding of a Christian discipleship. So discipleship is a journey, isn't it? Paul tells us in uh, Colossians chapter three here, he tells us something else. He He says that let the peace of Christ dwell a rule in your hearts since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful let the message or the word of Christ dwell in you richly the word means abundant let it be abundant in you let it be abundant in your thinking in your mind in your actions well as you know with the advancement of social media we can see just how widespread really the instability of our of our American culture has become and really the cultures of all the world but but um This antichrist spirit of the world uses the power of, of course, electricity and technology to spread and deepen its influence in and over people's lives. I think God's showing us that these really are the days of Noah. We're really in the days of Noah. And it's getting even more evident that we are. And what did God do? What did Noah do when God said he's going to bring judgment on the earth? God said, Noah, build that boat. Build that ark. That is what's going to save you from my wrath. And in a similar way, loved ones, that's what we're doing. That as we see ungodliness increase, as we see what we know is God's wrath is going to be coming, that the Lord is calling us, build your boat. Build your boat. And what is the boat? Build my word in your life. Let my life, let your life be grounded firmly upon this word, my word. So... If we're, like, I think Paul said in Philippians here, he said, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I'm away, it's even more important. Look here, it says, work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence. In other words, work out your salvation. Work hard to show the results. That's what it means. Paul's not saying that we have to work for our salvation here. He's not saying that. He's saying, no, we are living in such a way that our salvation can be seen by others. That's what building your boat's all about. That where you don't, people don't have to wonder if you're a Christian or not. You know, they can see the evidence of it in your life by the way you talk, by the way you act, by the way you talk about other people. I tell you, uh, you know, just go to the coffee shop. You can tell who the Christians are. (laughs) You know, I mean, it doesn't matter if you go to church someplace. How do you talk? Well, you know, there's, some, there's a need in Christians' lives to be building... Their boat has a lot of holes in it. You know? Your boat is leaky. And you, you, need, to, you need to get more serious about really getting grounded, firm in obedience to the Lord. Um... One thing I tell you that happens when, you, when you're building on the, the promise of the rock of Jesus Christ is, you know what? You find God to be more and more enjoyable. He is so enjoyable. Uh, God's word, the Hebrew writer, it, we find this in the book of Hebrews 4.12. God's word is so vital to us that the word is, in, in verse 12, it's it's living and active, or it means it's operational. God's word is not dead. It's not just dead letters in a book. But this book, the Hebrew writer says, it's living and it's operational. It wants to work in us. God, God wants to, his word doesn't return to him, you know, uh, empty. His, that's what Isaiah said in, 50, in Isaiah 55. His word touches us and does something in us. It, it works its power. It works God's will in our life when we, when we say yes to it. Um, and I tell you, receiving this kind of living, operating, operated word is just essential to our growth in God's life. Um, why is it vital that we build this arc of our faith, uh, you know, by working hard to show the results of our salvation you know Ones we should want other people to see Jesus in us you know don't don't hide them. I'm not talking about you have to go out and and you know just be this extroverted witness but a prayer of ours should be say Lord today may somebody see Jesus in me just by the way I respond to the cashier who's a jerk you know Last night, we were celebrating, My the kids wanted to have a late birthday party for me. Um, we went down to Cracker Barrel, and there was 11 of us. I thought there was only going to be, what, six of us, but it turned out to be uh, somebody crashed the party. And uh, it was actually fun, wasn't it? Uh, Noel and Brad and the three boys came. And I thought, oh, good. So that means we had to have 11 instead of, you know, so 11 instead of, what, six. And so that they needed, we had to wait quite a what longer. In Cracker Barrel, which was fun because the boys loved all those toys, you know, they they touched every toy in the whole place, and um, and uh, of course we looked at all the old candy and stuff. Well, then finally they called us, and uh, and they took our order, and we we sat there and we sat there and we sat there. And we talked, and we laughed, we had fun, and, they, and the, our wonderful waitress came out and said, it's still going to be a while yet, and uh, so could you have some more, you know, someone wants some more drinks, or some more bread, some more biscuits, whatever. And, uh, and finally, you know, three little boys, they were doing pretty good, but they were getting hungry, and it's getting late, and all of a sudden it's, you know, 7 o'clock. We've been there two hours, and still waiting for food, and finally I thought, you know, you could respond pretty unchrist to this situation. I mean, I, I was, in my mind, you think, how do you, you know, how do you put your foot down at the same time not put it in your mouth, <laughs> you know? And so, you know, being the mature one of the bunch, I'm not the oldest, but the mature one of the bunch, someone else is older. Um, the, uh, uh, the, the, uh, being the mature one of the bunch, I just went up and I, I said because I kept hearing this thing about you know uh, it's we're really busy tonight and uh, well I saw people coming in, sitting down, getting their food and leaving. I mean we were there first and this I thought what in the world's happening here you know and uh, um, so I finally went up and and I asked somebody else one of the people had a headphone set on I said. Uh, you know, we've been here over an hour waiting for our food. Is there something wrong? And he said, I'll go check, you know. And uh, so he said, it's, uh, it's coming out now. And I said, well, that's what they've said the last 30 minutes or so. And uh, they said, you want to talk to a manager? You know, And uh, I looked up, and here they were coming. I said, no, no, that's okay. But the point was that and I'm not saying this to toot my horn. I'm really not. I'm just trying to show an example. Um, something in my heart, because they insisted I not. You know, Dad's always pay, right? I mean, I was expecting to pay, and they insisted that I not pay. That's what's great about having older children. It's great, they they can they can take they can, they can take charge there. But they they put their foot down and said, "You're not paying, Dad." So so they were going to take care of the tip too. I said, "Can I help with the tip?" They said, "No, you can't do that." And I'm not saying this, and you know, to just to show you that something in my heart said. Give that girl an extra tip. There's enough stingy Christians in this world who just, you know, who have a bad attitude at restaurants. I mean, and I went up to her after we were all finished. I said, you know, you had a hard night. You took care of us, did a good job. You're going to get a tip on the credit card because my daughter's paying it. But we want to give you something extra. And she said, thank you so much. You know, the point is, I think Paul's saying, work out your salvation. In other words, Make Jesus make it so they'll notice. There's something different about that person, or them. That family's different. That's what Jesus, that's what Paul's talking about. Work out your salvation. Uh, that the Christ will be evident in your faith. It'll be he'll be evident there. That's what the apostle Paul's saying there, which is pretty cool. Um, well, I got to hurry on here. I I didn't. I only got halfway through my message, but. Um, well, now I'm going to rush through it, and you're not going to get it. Well, let, let's just let's just hit the highlights, okay? First of all, this is what God's word does for us. First of all, it, it enlightens us. It enlightens us. Maybe I'll just give you the points, and we'll and we'll we'll get the rest of it next week, huh? I'll think about it. But but uh, uh, God's word, why it's so important? The way that God builds in us, that the things that He does. We you know you say. I'm going to build a house well you don't build a house you know with nothing there's got to be materials right there's materials you use there's you know there's concrete uh, not cement cement is the glue that holds a rock together so it's concrete guys I mean I get this lecture from my son who's into concrete he said dad it's not cement you don't walk on cement you walk on concrete got it buddy okay so you know you, you got the cement is the glue that holds it together you don't walk on the glue you walk on the concrete which how many got that how many knows that Okay, not all you got that. You got to humble yourself if you want to change. Okay, uh, <laughs> anyway, but you have all these materials and you say, so it's, it's materials that make up the house. In the same way, God uses things in our life. He, he, he does things that build us into Christ likeness. And one of those things is God's word is enlightening. It has to be enlightening. It has to show you what's right and what's wrong. It has to show you when you're wrong and when you're right so that you can obey, so that you can change, right? Well, and uh, these are some scriptures. We're going to go with these again. But um, God's word also, it's nourishing to us. It's, it's, it's nourishing. It does something to us. And we know all about, you know, what we eat affects our body so we're going to talk more about that next week so it's it's also nourishing to us but it's also quenching it does something in us it it satisfies something what is that that God's word satisfies what is it about people who don't read God's word who don't listen to it what is it about their life that is empty that is there's something wrong even though they're they call they claim to be a Christian there's something purposeless about their life they, they're not quenched by God's word. It's not directing them in a way that makes their life matter. You know, that's boy, that was good. I wish I would hope I say that next week. Um but you know, God's word is strengthening too. It it's it does it strengthens us when we're just about on our last on our last little bit of energy. And uh and it also is it washes us and uh it also it builds us. It, it edifies us. I want us to look at that more depth, in depth because I, I, our time's gone and I, I want us to, to look at that so that we don't rush through it because I know I'm with you. Sometimes you get information overload and you only listen so long. Um, so we'll look at that some more next week, okay? Because I think it's really God wants to focus. He wants us to really understand this. And um, there's a... There's a, a, a prayer that I think is, is a, a good prayer for us here. Um, Lord, I offer my entire being to you and your word. I give you access to every part of my life. Lord, make my mind a home for you and for your word. Lord, I choose to let your word dwell in me richly so that it may live and operate within me as I carry out your will. Well, that's a good prayer for us to pray. Could we maybe say that together just to kind of as a primer, you know, just to ask the Lord to help us to kind of start to grasp the importance of, keep, of, of, of the importance of how He wants to make our words so significant in our life. Would you, pray, would you repeat this with me? Lord, I offer my entire being to You and Your Word. I give You access to every part of my life Lord, make my mind a home for you and for your word. Lord, I choose to let your word dwell in me richly so that it may live and operate within me as I carry out your will. Amen. Well, Father, as we prepare to leave today, I pray that we'll be able to realize the significance of this book of your word to us. You... uh, remind us in all kinds of ways that without a revelation of your truth uh, people fall apart. People perish. I mean, life Lord, even when we, in our lost dreams things that we wanted the most and it didn't happen for us. Even in that great disappointment, your word has an answer for us. Even Job, Lord, as he as he is frustrated about why life treated him the way it did, why things happened the way it did, why why he, he lost his all his possessions, why he lost his children, Lord, even then you had something to teach him about life about why what what is not maybe so much why father but where his thinking was going astray. Lord, your word answers those questions for us. It helps us to build our life on uh, such a rock foundation of Jesus Christ and truth that no matter what the devil throws at us, no matter what disappointments, no matter what sadnesses, no matter what discouragements, we will stand because we are standing on the rock. pray, God, that we as Mount Hopians here today that, that uh, your word will impact us and that these truths will speak to our minds. In Jesus' name, we pray you'll watch over us as we leave today. Watch over us in the, if the fog is still out there. pray you'll, you'll um, watch, help us to be careful as we drive. And those who are away today, Lord, as they're driving, I pray that you'll keep your hand upon them. Father, we, sometimes it scares us and we think about how how fragile life is, how easy it is to lose someone we love. Oh, Lord, it's, it can be so frightening, Lord, that we, we begin to fear deep inside us and we grow nervous. And, but you, you take away our fears that, that we, when we establish ourselves upon you, you. You're our hope for tomorrow, not our families. You're the only hope. You're the one who gave us the good things. You're the one who's in charge. So Lord, we trust you and uh, we pray again that uh, this will be a day when we will be refreshed in you in Jesus' name. Amen.